Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Celtic FC Appreciation Show. It's uh, Gaz Meets, another episode of Gaz Meets. Um, and today, I'm delighted to announce that we've got um, author Jamie Boyle and former Celtic midfielder and coach Alan Thompson on the show. Um, obviously, Alan's got his new book out that, that Jamie's wrote. It's Alan Thompson, a Geordie boy. Um, it's available from all good uh, all good booksellers, um, Warcry Publishing, um, Amazon, and where else, uh, wherever else you get your your books kind of thing. Um, so we're going to be talking to the guys about their careers, about their lives today. Um, hopefully we're not keeping too long, you know, they're busy guys and they've got other stuff to be getting on with. Um, we want you to get involved, so any questions or comments you have, follow them, um, just get them into this and we'll try and get through them. Um, a wee competition we're running today also, uh, Jamie's very um, generously offered to, to send a, book, a signed copy of the uh, of the book out to somebody that's that's viewing the, the podcast today. So, um, in order to win, all you need to do is uh, tell us your favourite Alan Thompson goal for Celtic, and Alan will pick the winner at the end of the interview. Um, if you want to check out our new YouTube channel um, for any missed podcast episodes or daily Celtic content, uh, just search for us on there. And also our, our sponsors, um, 6070s, um, check them out on Instagram. Um, so, guys, um, first of all, happy new year. I um, hope the festive period was good. Yeah, happy new year to you. Yeah, I've um, guys, looking forward to talking to you for uh, for quite a while. Yeah. So, um, as I say, we'll get we'll get um, comments on and everybody's uh, viewing the, the stuff. So, we'll start off with the book, guys. Um, Alan, I know you weren't ever planning. It's not something you were ever planning to do. Um, was was not a biography. So, um, in terms of how persuasive was Jamie when when the idea came about? Yeah, well, he got in touch with us on uh, through Twitter, really. Um, so he, he pursued us a little bit, but uh, apparently I didn't follow him back uh, straight away. I followed a couple of his mates back before I followed him. So uh, he took the hump. He, so he kept he kept tweeting me and. Uh, Eventually, I uh, I followed him back. So then he started uh, messaging me and uh, gave me the invitation to, to possibly do the book. And then uh, had to think about it. And then I thought, yeah, why not? My times, my times now. I feel like doing it. A lot of the other lads have already done them. You know, Sutty and Stillian, Lenny, Jackie, um, Big John Orton. Um So I just thought it was my time. You know, I've been quiet for a long time, and I thought now was a good time to do it. Yeah, I mean it's. It is. It's it's one of the things that I've I've always loved. I've always loved um, reading uh, autobiographies. I love finding out about people and people's lives um, and what they get up to, either off the field or off camera, kind of thing. Um, and obviously, Jamie, in terms of, I'm really interested to to get your take on some things as well. And um, if I can just ask you, obviously, anyone that's followed your career, obviously, you've got a passion for boxing and true crime. Um, as well as being a big Celtic fan, a big football fan, um, how excited were you to get Alan signed up for this project? Um, it was one of them. So, so you know what it was? Uh, I mean, Alan was my twentieth book, and uh, I've done a lot of bad guys, I suppose. A lot of people who, you know, if you were if you were having a party, you'd, you'd want them under the stairs. You wouldn't want to associate with them, uh, albeit some are very interesting. Um, you know, they're not the kind of nice people. 
and uh, you know, it's it's def in that in that kind of life when you're associating or you're working with kind of bad guys, the death threats come and all this <clears throat> starts up from anxiety. Um, and you know, basically, it was like, look, I'm a massive Celtic fan. My dad was Glaswegian. Uh, I've lived in Glasgow for parts of my life, and um, I knew what Alan Thompson was. And I have spoken to a couple of footballers before. Um, I remember talking to Neil Madison, played for Middlesbrough a couple of years back. And uh, I thought I would have had to maybe start off on like some low league players. Or and uh, when I when I first reached out to Alan Thompson about two years ago, I think it was two years in the April. Jamie, I just said, Jamie. You can, you can call me Tom, all you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, I, it was the April. So I've got a good memory. And I just put, get your book done. I'd love to read it. And I never, ever heard from him. And I, it was just purely as a, as a fan. And uh, it was last December, so 13 months ago, I, uh, I messaged him again because my friend, Paul Venice, kickboxing world champion, got a follow off him. And I was like, hang on a minute. I, 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 <laughs> I was a bit put out and I, I kind of followed him and unfollowed him and unfo tried to get his attention. And uh, and I did. And I said, look, why don't you do your book? And by then, I'd got, I'd got really, I still sound big-headed, but I, I got good. I know my way around books. I know exactly the ins and outs of what you should and what orders. And and um, I just said, look. And I, I, put, I basically pushed the boat out and said, look. And I was a bit, yes, I, I was a bit desperate, but I thought, you know what? If he doesn't, I'm going to have a bloody good go. And uh, I knew I could do a story justice, and you know it's it's worked brilliant for, for me now because I'm getting so many kind of followers and you know interesting people and famous people, um, you know that are linked with me and possibly my works just kind of. And also, I want to like get out the, you know, I want to, I'd like to do um, a long line of footballers' books, sportsmen's books. Um, so it's been really, really fantastic. Are you, Tomo? Um, I don't think he realises, um, you know, the last thing I'll say was he um, he took a chance on me, I suppose. So I'll always be eternally grateful. Uh, that's that's superb. And, and obviously, you know, you talk about um, in terms of other books that you brought out, um, Paul Sykes, you've mentioned um, is the, the idea of doing that behind a series of books, all which raise money um, for, I believe, the, the Bradley Lowry Foundation um, and the Sowing Seeds ministries charity i mean was that something that's close to your heart as well that was obviously it was, it was um, something right well basically because because i've done work on such bad guys i mean i, I i've spoke to bradley lowry's parents and we did a night a couple of years back and um you know for people always say how can you how can you have a little angel compared to a monster and all this i just you know a lot of my books support um, fantastic causes. I mean, Tomo's book supports four registered charities. So I don't, I don't want to, I want, you know, yes, some of the people that I've, I've, the majority of people I've worked on are not very nice people. So I want, I wanted some kind of goodness to come from it and, um, you know, paying to the likes of, um, you know, some of the, some of the places I have, like Middlesbrough Cancer Ward and that, it's give that little bit back that no offer does. Yeah, and I think um, you mentioned that the charities that, that Alan's book is going to uh, is is going to benefit. Obviously, I think it's a uh, Bobby Robson Foundation, the Alan Shearer Foundation, 
Celtic Foundation and the Ian Watson charity fund. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yes, that's, right. that's uh, yeah, that's um, it's four charities that are uh, that do great work, and it was it's just I mean, some people say you just support one, just support two, but listen, yeah. it's not all about take, take, take for me. Like Jamie just said, it's about giving a little bit of something back. Listen, it, it might only be a little bit, but it's it's just a little gesture from me to support some some charities that are close to me heart. Yeah, and um, Alan, let's go back to um, a place close to your heart is is. As well as you started playing professionally at Newcastle, and um, I don't know if you can see the top behind me. Um, the that's obviously that's my English team. I've been a massive Newcastle fan most of my life, and um, as I said, so it's a place I know well. It's a it's a place that I love. Um, so professionally, is that I think a seventeen year eighteen year old, and um, how massive was that for you? Um, not only for you but your family, I suppose. Well, it's probably the equivalent of you and Jamie, you know, playing for Celtic. You know. It's... I was I was born and bred and, and brought up a Newcastle fan. So as a kid growing up, that was that was my first step that I wanted to achieve and uh, was play for the black and whites in front of the Gallagher end. So to get to do that as a young lad was an absolute privilege, especially how difficult it was to get there because of the, the bad car accident I had when I was 16. So um, so just to, to pull that black and white strip on and play on St. James's Park, even though it was only 20 times, it was 20 times. If it had been once, that had been happy. But... Um, if you, if you had said to me as a young kid, seven, eight, nine year old, you're going to play for Newcastle United, you know, I'd have snapped your hands off. So it was a boyhood dream and something that I'm absolutely, you know, still proud of to this day. Yeah, and do you, do you remember um, much about your debut? Um, I was talking about it yesterday. I uh, I was sub as it happened, <laughs> and um, one of the lads got uh, injured in the warm up. Lad called Lee Clark who a lot of people will know because he used to be manager of Kilmarnock. Yeah. Lee got injured Lee got injured in the warm-up and uh, Ozzy Ordealis comes in and goes, Tom, are you playing? So it was like, I didn't have any time to think about it. So it worked out well because I didn't know on the day before that I was starting. I might not have slept the night before. So I only had five or ten minutes to think about it and the game was kicking off. So it was shin pads on and out you go. So straight into it. Yeah, sometimes sometimes that's, that's the best. That's the best way to be. So, um, obviously, after making your start in football, you got moved to Bolton Wanderers in 1993. Um, I suppose we first tasted success. Um, I believe you scored against Liverpool in the, the League Cup final, although you although you lost um, you lost the game. I mean, how that must have been a massive moment for you and your career scoring at Wembley. I think that, that that season we played twice at Wembley. We played Liverpool in the League Cup final. Uh, Steve McManaman scored their two goals and I scored a consolation goal for us. Um, although it was a good one, didn't didn't mean much. Um, and we played Reading in the playoff final and we beat them four three after extra time to get to the um, to get to the Premiership. So I had some great times at Bolton. Um, some real success for for a pretty not a small club, but you know certainly not a giant of, of of England or or a Celtic or a Rangers. But it was just a really good club that was good for me at that time in my career. Played a couple of hundred games there before I moved on, and like I say, it was a great grounding for me. Um, played with under two or three great managers, and uh, learned an awful lot in my time there. So it stood me in good stead later on in my career. Yeah, and obviously he played with some some big names as a youngster. You know, John McGinley was a a, a massive goal scorer um, for the club. Owen Coyle is a favourite with Celtic fans in Scottish football. Jason McIntyre mixed, mixed with Pat Linen, who yeah. who was up here as manager. Dean Holdsworth as well. Um, you know, two promotions, the League Cup final, um, eventually playing the top flight. I, I believe he scored 
not only the first goal at the the new Reebok Stadium, but also I think um, United Bolton's first Premier League goal uh, in the in the new campaign against I think it was Crystal Palace. Am I right in saying? Uh, I think it might have been Wimbledon. I think, but it was mm-hmm. it was at Selhurst Park. But Wimbledon were playing at Selhurst Park, so yeah. Scored the first goal at the uh, at the Reebok. I uh, scored in the last game at Burnden Park as well before we moved to the Reebok, and then the first Premier League goal. So, yeah, a couple of uh, a little hat trick of uh, firsts there. So, um, no, great times at Bolton, and the manager was Bruce Freock at the time was uh, obviously Scottish as well. Um, Alan Stubbs, who you didn't mention, uh, who yeah. went on went on to play for Celtic. Uh, Stubbs, who was a great player. Um, no, we had a lot of good players and uh, and a lot of crack in the dressing room, you know, with McGinley and Coyle, as you said, Andy Walker, another ex-Celtic player. So um, that was a great dressing room to be in at that time, yeah. Yeah, and um, Jamie, I believe you um, you're actually you hail from the the Brighton area of Glasgow. I mean, you couldn't tell from your voice, but your accent. But um, I mean, how was that growing up there? I know you, you moved down to England pretty pretty soon after. Um, but as a, as a Celtic fan, how difficult was that to, to then get to the games kind of thing? Uh, I remember my dad had me from... I used to go to probably double figures every year from, from the age of two to about uh, 12. Um, I mean, my cousins... Um, do you remember Graham Dot, the snooker player, world champion? Yeah, yeah. He's my, he's my dad's full cousin. Um, they're all staunch Rangers fans, so we're probably the only Catholic family ever out of Brighton. But um, yeah, and I went up and I lived in Glasgow um, when in 1998. I used to work in Parkhead Forge, and um, so I'm, I've always been aware of the Glasgow mentality, the goldfish bowl, um, you know. And that's I think that's what kind of I mean. I was a bit worried at one point when I was talking to Alan, thinking he was going to go to other people. An offer I won't name. And I remember thinking, well, you won't have the Celtic mind that I've got. Um, but yeah, it's you know, it wasn't it wasn't much fun growing up and you know, Celtic back in 1990, 91, 92, 93, Lou McCarney, um, Liam Brady, it was no fun being a Celtic fan back in them days. Um, you know, I will never forget one weekend Rangers beat Celtic 4-0 on a Saturday. And then the next day, Liam, Liam Brady was commentating on um, Italian football on Channel 4. And it's like, everyone in Glasgow has gone mental, beating the wines up and all. And this guy's here, <clears throat> 24 hours later, acting like nothing's happened. Yeah. So, you know, I understand um, what, 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 what the, um, the divide is in Glasgow. Um, you know, I'll never forget one day I was walking my dog across Glasgow Green, 1998, and I had a Celtic top on. And this guy come up and his dog went for my dog and he ran up and he sprayed his dog. And he said, what have I told you? You don't fight for the pin dogs. And then, you know, and so if basically if I had a Rangers top on, I would have been all right. Yeah. Um, I remember getting a job in Glasgow, and then the week after, the boss said to me, if I'd, if you'd have told me you are a Celtic fan, I wouldn't give you the job. That's what it means in the city. So although, you know, I've predominantly grew up most of my life in England, I'm very aware and very switched on of, of that kind of Glasgow thing. Yeah, and, and obviously, like, you know, obviously, I says to these guys that had started this in, 
in February of this podcast and, you know, the, the people I've had on, it's brilliant. And sometimes it's just brass neck now and asking people to come on. And sometimes you need to go through management companies and things like that. Um, but in terms of, you know, you, you've had 20 books out. Um, when, when was the moment that you realised that that's what you wanted to do, that that's, that was your passion? Um, I don't, I mean, I, was, I wasn't full-time until my fifth book. So I did, I did the first two. Um, and I mean, this is probably one in a million chance. I've done my first two. They were bestsellers and um, Amazon bestsellers and Wakefield wouldn't. So the first two were on Paul Sykes and Wakefield Waterstones wouldn't touch me. And uh, the reason was it had been 10 years since Paul Sykes' death. So they remembered, they remembered him outside when he was giving him abuse and all that. Uh, I'd done a boxing book and that probably flopped. And it wasn't until I'd done the Lee Duffy book. Uh, and to give you an example how how successful that book was, 30 was stolen in one month from, from the Middlesbrough shop. And, uh, you know, that was like, you know, I'd done it. I, I didn't even know if I was any good. Uh, left school, no exams. Although I was topping my English, um, I was a waster at school. I was more interested in football and boxing and shot and rubbers at people's heads and making jokes and, that. and um, you know, it was when, when that book come out, I thought, hang on a minute, I've, I'm working and I've just earned three grand. And I thought, yeah. and that was, I thought, hang on, I might, I might, I might be good at this. And, uh, you know, and I've done books I'm not really that interested in, some people, but with Alan's, um, you know, I mean, I mean, I did ask, I got into writing and I, and it wasn't for any money. If I'd have got any money, great. If I didn't, but if someone had said to me at the start, do you want to do Alan Thompson's book for free? I would have still done it. So that's what it was. It was like, I was, I don't think Alan Thompson could have ever found anyone who was as excited and passionate as I was. And, um, you know, I think that's a reflection that I'm every single day, I'm just pushing it under people's noses and, you know, if anyone knows anything about books, that's how you be successful. You know, the days are gone. Um, 20 years ago, John Blake was shot on stupid money. These days, Kindles are selling for 99 pence and Amazon yeah. are taking 70, 70 pence. So you've got to move the times. And uh, James English said to me a couple of years ago, he said, you're the first thing I see on the morning and the last thing I see at night. And um, and that's that's how I am. And that's how I've I've been successful. Um, tell us about I'm... it. <laughs> but that's how, that's how I plan on being. I'm quite hyperactive, and um, you know my my addictions now. I'm 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 one of them people who would get addicted to blue smarties. So now I'm addicted to just working seven days a week and just doing all things. But you know, to do Alan Thompson's book, uh, who I watched, uh, I watched. I was at most of the games. Um, I, you know, and. I know. It, it, I always felt a bit sorry for him at the end because he deserved better. The ending he got, as did Chris Sutton, and uh, I'd like to think with me doing the book along with the oh, millions of Celtic fans worldwide that this book has given a bit of you know what you're one of us, you're loved, and you'll never walk alone. And that's what I finished. I think that's what I put in the introduction. That that was my point across. It was like you know what. Um, you know, Thompson, Ali McCoy said to me, he said he was just one of them people who just got it. 
you know, there's a lot of Italians and Spanish people and um, even English guys who've come up and have thought, oh, this is easy. And um, they played two or three games, have never been seen again. Where Thompson was just like, you know what? You know, and yes, he scored goals. Yes, he got sent off. Yes, he caused fights. But the Celtic fans, it was just like watching one of them. And, uh, and I think that's why Alan Thompson as a whole is so uh, massively loved by the Adoran fans. Yeah, and I think um, just the sentiment, uh, echo that sentiment, I think. Because um, personally, my, my, one of my favourite goals by Alan was, um, was definitely was the one at, um, I think it was one at Ibrox where um, you, you just dribbled from the, from the byline um, past a couple of players and, and put it right in the bottom corner to win the game. I think it was, um, I'm not sure if that was the second one, Tomo, I don't know if you remember that one, but the, um, I think it might have been 1-0 up at the time. <coughs> I remember getting the ball on the wing in there. I wasn't one. I wasn't like a. I wasn't a Bobby Petter, so to speak. It would it would dribble past you know three or four men on a regular basis. So um, I was more of a bit of a pass and move type of player, if you want, and get it out of your feet and cross it. But um, nah, it was, I remember it was a little tight space and just jinking in, and it was on my right foot, which is normally just for standing on. So I thought, oh, how I, we'll have a little swing at this, and uh, it was nice to see it roll in the bottom corner. So yeah, yeah. Nah, listen, I, was... I, I, scored, I was fortunate enough to score seven old firm goals in there. Yeah, there's one or two decent ones, and there's a couple of tap ins, but I didn't mind as long as we, uh, as long as we got something out the game. So the seven goals I actually scored, we either drew or won. So I never scored in an old firm game when we lost. So um, that's a little omen. That's 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 quite that's quite a good record. But um, in terms of uh, Stephen Lennon, just says how are you doing, Alan? Seeing you at the Larson Hearts and experience at the Hydro had a great night. And um, how how was that for you? I mean, obviously, it looked the atmosphere looked amazing. And um, how well, was that re- reliving everything? It was absolutely fantastic. I mean, a Monday night in Glasgow, and you get in between twelve and fourteen thousand at the Hydro. So, but uh, you know, it was a great turnout. Henrik was obviously there. Martin was there, um, or the gaffer, should I say? Um, only only so you can call him Martin, um, Big John, Jackie Mack, Lupo. So it was it was a fantastic night, and uh, there was some great crack and some great banter, and I, I think the fans enjoyed it. And um, although Chris Sutton tends to get the last word, he certainly didn't that night. Martin got it, so um, no, we had a cracking night, and then we good to catch up with everyone, and then we had a few beers after. So it was it was a great night, and like you say, talking about the past and stuff like that was great. Yeah, it's, as I say, it's it's brilliant to, that you are part of such a such an iconic Celtic side that, that was that was so full of success. Um, and and obviously when you go back to when you go back to nineteen ninety eight, and you know you got a big money move at the time to Aston Villa, um, and spent the next two seasons in the Midlands. It was, I suppose, an injury plight um, spell there. Um, I don't think you played that as much as you would have liked, obviously. Um, but in terms of, I think it was was it John Gregory that, that brought you to the club. Yeah, it was it was John. It was John Gregory's first signing, so it started off well. The first from from the start of the season up until Christmas, we were top of the league, and I was playing week in week out. And then it was after the Christmas I done my ankle, and um, it just seemed to just go downhill from then. So I was just hanging around and not playing much football. And then when the call come from Martin. Um, to go to Celtic, it was it was a no-brainer for me. I'd spoke to him previously before I went to Villa when he was a Leicester manager, so I knew him and he knew me. So, but once that call came, it was it was a no-brainer for me. I just wanted to get me kit, get me boots, and get in the car and get up to Glasgow and speak to him. You know. 
Yeah, and obviously the, the you know the team went in a, I think a twelve match unbeaten run at the start of the season, um, finished six, um, and then in your following season another six place finish. I think he's he's missed out in the FA Cup. Was it the League Cup actually? You missed out on. Uh, we got beat in the final off Chelsea. Uh, yeah. The last fight. It was the last final at the old Wembley. Um, and bizarrely enough, um, I wasn't even stripped. So it was one of those that was up in the bar and have a few drinks before the game and stuff like that. And it was, as I said, we were playing Chelsea and Chris Sutton, was he was left out the Chelsea squad as well. So little did I know, probably in about six or eight weeks' time, that big Sutty and myself would be uh, teammates and then become uh, really, really strong friends after that. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 am I right in saying that was the, the one with the fastest ever goal or was that, the, was that a different final? I'm no, that, that was... That, that the Mateo goal, that, I'm thinking? That was a different one. That this, I think the, the goal was late on in the game. So the, the Yeah, yeah, self, I think the, it was... Do you know what it was? It was Chelsea Middlesbrough, I was thinking. Yeah, it was Middlesbrough. Um, when Middlesbrough it was running about, running about that time, yeah. No, um, it, wasn't, it wasn't a great game, but Chelsea won 1-0, so I was happy. <laughs> so um, so basically, yeah, as I say, like um, if you want to win a signed copy, guys, um, obviously there's there's a few people watching us. I know it's it's no the ideal time um, in terms of people who still get work, but uh, obviously get your comments in and get your favourite Alan Thompson goals in to win a signed copy of the book. Um, we've already had one entry, um, which is the only entry, so it might just be this one. Um, my personal favourite, Tom O'Goal, says William Brawley, uh, the last minute screamer against Rangers off the underside of Clossie's crossbar. Um, am I right in saying that was... And I know it wasn't the free kick, because I was thinking of the free kick at first, um, to score the third goal, we won 3-0. But... Um, I'm trying to think of the goal, actually. I don't know if you can enlighten us, Alan. Which one? The the, the one uh, last minute against Rangers off the underside. Oh, of yeah, that was, that, that, that was the one when it comes into the box and it gets headed out and I, uh, oh, trapped, yeah. I trapped it with the sole of my boot and uh, hit it with a little bit of swaz, shall we say. So, yeah. uh, I and it. Klaus, tried to, Klaus tried to save it, but he was never saving it. Yeah, and... Um, Michael, who runs the page, one of my mates, um, just saying, um, we'd love to know what was said during the Loving Cans incident. Hashtag cheat and not. I, I take it would that have been the the Scottish Cup final, maybe against no, Rangers. No, I think I think it might have been the one at Ibrox when he when I got a red card when he went down as though he'd been hit with a double oh, yeah. shotgun. But uh, I probably couldn't say it live on air what I was saying to him. But you probably, had, <laughs> you probably got a good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you can tell me off air later on. Um, so in terms of Jamie, coming back to you after all the publications you've released, um, how does it feel? This is an Amazon bestseller sitting at the top of the table. Does that push you to go on and do more projects like this in sport, in, in terms of footballers? Um, well, it's actually my tenth Amazon bestseller. Um, uh, it's definitely, um, you know, it's definitely, I mean, listen, I've been, um, I've been a function, Celtic functions over the years where I've paid to listen to the stories that I've been paid for. So, um, you know, I'll never forget we hired John Artson a couple of years back at my old Celtic club. Um, I bought him a bottle of Bex and this is really cringy, but I'll tell you cause I don't mind having a laugh. I uh, I bought him a bottle. I bought him a bottle of Bex, and I was sat having dinner with him. My wife actually was sat on his knee having a picture, and uh, I kept the bottle of Bex, you know, like he was Elvis Presley. <laughs> so um, 
No, do, do you know what? I'm just hoping it's the first start of many because uh, I've kind of, you know, I remember James English sent me a couple of years. Jamie, you completed True Crime. And uh, I've done I've done all the ones I, I only really wanted to do, Paul Sykes uh, and I suppose Lee Duffy. And, um, you know, last couple of um, months I've spoken to, um, I mean, I'm meeting Didier Gatt shortly. Ricky Burns has got two more fights and then I'm going to sit down and negotiate with him, Scotland's greatest ever fighter. Um, mentioned to John Atten, possibly doing an addiction book. So they, these are the ones that, you know, Alan Thompson, I need to call him Alan there, but then I, I quickly... So Tomo has basically kind of opened the door and, um, you know, it's almost like doing a new Ouija board and then unleashing bad spirits. It's like... I hope I'm getting the percentage, am I? Yeah, possibly. Well, um, do you know what? <laughs> it's opened the door because, um, I mean, I've got Junior Witter after. I don't know whether you're a boxing fan. He was a WBC world champion, mandatory to Mayweather, nemesis to Ricky Hatton. But as um, soon as I've done them, I'm like, do you know what? I want to. I've spoken to so many people this last couple of years, like even in the last year, and been like, I've got, I had. Posters of you on my bedroom wall. You know, I've got post. I mean, not I'm not as bad now because the wife as um. But I, probably 15 years ago when Tomo was playing for Celtic, my full house was like a 14 year old's bedroom. It was probably a bit embarrassing, but it was like that's how Celtic was my life, and it, it it meant a bit more to me these in them days than it did now. But um, you know, I've I've met a lot of people the last couple of years, famous, infamous, notorious. Um, you know, I've met members of the Crave family and had tours and boxes and all this. But when when I meet any Celtic players, I mean, I had I was sat with Martin O'Neill for about about six, six months ago, and uh, I had to like I, I, every time I'm in someone's company like that, I go back to that eight nine year old boy hanging around Barrafield for autographs with my dad. Do you know what I mean? So it's like yeah, it's just. I always will be like that. Um, Celtic's my soft spot in life and it's my passion. And uh, yeah, if I'm honest, I'd I'd like to go through the full Celtic team like a like a hot knife through butter. That's how that's my plan. Uh, I don't know whether I will or not, but you know, I would love to do Georgie Samaras's and Atterborics and you know every, all these people I spoke to the last couple of months. I said, listen, if you ever want a book, keep my number and I'll give you a deal that can be met. And um, yeah. That's thankful to Tomo, so I'll always be grateful for him. That's that's amazing, and and as I say, it's just the passion you have for for doing these books, and obviously, um, just in terms of like when you look at, obviously, your passion is mainly true crime and and, and boxing and things like that. Um, is there anybody in the past um, that's maybe not even here anymore that that you would have loved to have written about to to have worked <clears> with and sat down? Well, um, yeah, funny you should say that. And last night I watched a documentary about him and I remember having uh, quite a bit of a discussion with Martin O'Neill. <clears throat> so Brian Clough. Um, so I, I grew up in Berwick Hills and Brian Clough was from Groveville, which is one of the roughest parts of Middlesbrough. And uh, I sent him, a, there was a statue of Brian Clough and I sent it to Martin last night. And um, I was watching his documentary last night and I, I, I used to see him quite a lot in Middlesbrough when I was a kid. Uh, maybe 14, 15, but I didn't appreciate who he was. And uh, he died when I was about 24. 
But I would love to. I would love to sat in his company. And uh, Martin told me a couple of stories about him because um, obviously Martin O'Neill has based a lot of his management skills around Cluffy. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, one guy I would love to meet, and this is probably going to sound a bit bizarre, is, um, and I probably would get really starstruck with him, is Graham Souness. Uh, yeah. Proper man, proper footballer, tackle a brick wall, three European Cups. Um, he is just the ultimate... He had that guy had everything, and in my opinion, one of the greatest footballers Britain's ever produced. Yes, he's a he was a, um, a Rangers manager, but he was also a Scotland great, and uh, I'm a big Scotland fan also. So, but um, yeah, you know, there's a there's there's um, there's so many books that I would I would love to, you know, even even not as as good as Alan Thompson, you know, I'm I'm sure probably Paddy McCourt's book would be iconic. Um, you know, just anything with I, I want to basically, if it's not Celtic, I want to stay around the the Scottish sporting <clears throat> Scottish sporting scene. Uh, yeah. I was talking to um, Scott Harrison a couple of years back. I was going to do that, and I decided against it for, for um, reasons I don't really want to go into. But you know, that, I'm using Bell and Bain now, which are the biggest bookbinding company in Scotland. So my plan is to basically do a lot and. And be around the Scottish media quite a lot. Um, you know, it's. Uh, I, I thought with Tomo's book, it might have been a lot easier than all the criminals had done. <laughs> but uh, it, it could be uh, could be a little hard work at times. But so can I. But uh, no, do you know what? It's been fantastic for him, and I'll be forever grateful. Yeah, and um, as I say, like you know, Tom, I'm delighted to to, to get you guys on. Honestly, because anybody that I get on to interview, I'm I'm really, really grateful that you give up your your time um, to to sit down and chat to us. Um, Stephen Lennon says maybe not my favourite Tom goal, but probably the most important one is the free kick against Liverpool and the UEFA Cup at Anfield. Um, I remember that well. Um, I remember that that run well. Um, that was that was obviously um, to to set us on our way, Alan, to to a famous to a famous um, win. At Anfield, um, what, what, how big was that night, and uh, especially after full time whistle in the dressing room? Well, it's it's funny because you know, a lot of the time in my time at Celtic, we were uh, we portrayed as a, a long ball team, and um, when you look at some of the players in that team, I said to a guy yesterday on a podcast, I said, you know, everything went through the midfield. Uh, Neil Lennon couldn't pass the ball more than ten yards, so. I don't know where they get the long ball team from, you know. Didier Gat didn't pass the ball, he just ran with it. Um Stillian <laughs> Petrov. Stillian, Stillian Petrov. Stillian was a proper footballer. Paul Lambert was a proper footballer. Um Bobo didn't pass it, he obviously just headed it. Um, you know, you've got you've got Chris Sutton, Henrik Larson, John Hartson, myself, Jackie McNamara, and people are saying, Oh, that you're a long ball team. But that night at Anfield, we um we played them off the park. We, we didn't go there and, and nick a 2-0 win. We went there and played them off the park and thoroughly deserved to win 2-0. So that's one of the best nights of my uh, career, without a doubt. And to put us on our way just before half-time with a free kick um, was, a, was a big bonus going into the dressing room at half-time, you know, back on level terms with him. And we, we fancied ourselves second half and then Big John smashes in a great goal. And uh, you can only imagine after the game, you know, the trip back to Glasgow, the flight we flew back to Glasgow from Liverpool, John Lennon Airport. So it was a uh, 
it was a great short flight, but it was a good one, you know. So just great memories and, and the full run. Even now, if you're on holiday and you bump into Celtic fans or in the street, if you're in Glasgow, people want to talk about the memories of that run. So uh, obviously, there's a there's a lot about it in the book, and um, obviously, we just fell short at the final hurdle in the final against Porto, but it's still it's still great memories nearly 20 years on. Yeah, and, and obviously to beat a team like Liverpool, who you know won the European Cup so many times, it's it's it was a remarkable achievement. Probably, I think probably overlooked at the time. I don't, I don't think it got the credit it deserved. Um, Michael up again says wants to know who was the gaffer's pet during Thomas' time at Celtic. Um, oh, without a doubt, there's only one winner. He's uh, he's a bit of a, a media pundit now. He's a centre forward. He's English, um, so he, he was the only one. He's the only one who can call the gaffer Martin. Um, yeah, it's like it's like a father and son relationship with the uh, with the gaffer and Sutty. So it's got to be Sutty without a doubt. <laughs> um, I just I can't imagine Sutton being a, a teacher's pet kind of thing. But um, oh, I'll, I'll probably I'll probably never look at him the same again on the TV. Um, so obviously you know Tom will. Be, Martin O'Neill brought you to Celtic. Um, long-term deal was was that a sign of confidence for you and your part? Was that a comfort um, for you and your part that that you know, despite not playing many games at Aston Villa, you, you got an injury. Was was that that Celtic went all in because Celtic nowadays don't don't give out long-term contracts generally. Generally, well, I think I was I was a good age. I was twenty-six, so I think Martin knew I had a few years in me. So. Um, not only did I sign a long-term contract, I then signed an extension about three, three or four years into it as well. So that just shows faith from the manager. And I think as a player at any club, if if you're doing well, you get you get a new contract or you get looked after. So that that was Martin showing great faith in me, and and he'd done it with a lot of people as well at the time. DDA got come in for fifty thousand quid, which was an absolute bargain. Got a long-term contract. Chris had signed from Chelsea. Lenny from Leicester. Big John comes in as well. So it was it was a big project that Martin was doing at the time and uh, one that I wanted to be around. So I was I was happy to sign a long term contract without a doubt, yeah. Yeah, and as you say, you had um mates, you talked about Stubbsy obviously, um I think Tommy Johnson, who was at the club at the time. Um in terms of did, did you realise how big a club Celtic were before you went there in, in terms of what did you know of Scottish football? Oh yeah, I think half my mum's family are uh, Irish, the Kellys, and uh, I knew what the Celtic uh, family was all about. And then, obviously, we mentioned people earlier who I played with at Bolton, who were huge Celtic fans, John McGinley, Owen Coyle, Andy Walker. Um, so I, I knew all about it and um, followed it from an early age. Um, would often often watch old firm games when I was a kid growing up. And um, you, you had Newcastle fans um who were some Celtic fans and some Rangers fans. I'm sure you'll know that being a, a black and white yourself. Yeah. So um you always got a bit of banter at Newcastle games between the Rangers and Celtic fans when I was a kid as well. So it was uh, it was fascinating stuff. But I think it's not until you actually join the club and get involved and you start travelling around the world, playing games in America or Australia, the Far East, until you actually realise how big it actually is. It's uh it's worldwide, which is uh there's not many clubs in, the, in in Britain that are worldwide, probably a handful. So um, Celtic being one of them. Yeah, and obviously, you know, we were speaking earlier on about during the 90s, growing up in the 90s. I was I was kind of, I, I grew up in the 90s as a, as a Celtic fan and 
um, it was it was a tough time. Um, you know, we didn't win many trophies, and, and I can remember a mate of mine that, that I work with, um, I used to work with, he, he's, he's English and he, he's not really into football or sport or anything, and he just kept saying to me, doesn't all get boring winning all the time, being a Celtic <laughs> fan? And I'm saying, I'm saying, do you know what? It really doesn't, because if you, if you were about in the 90s, it was horrible. It was a horrible time, so... It, it, it it doesn't get boring, you know. Success it just it just falls success and well that's and the it thing. Like, that's, that's the thing. Winning and success is it, winning's the best habit you can ever have. Yeah, if you can get if you can get into the habit of winning and achieving things, then you're not going to fail. So no, you never get sick of winning. Let me tell you. Yeah, and uh, I'm just going to have to I'm just going to have to try and find a charger. My phone's going flat. Yeah, Maybe. no worries. No worries. Maybe. Jamie, crack on for it till I get a charger. <laughs> no worries. Um, Jamie, obviously you spoke about Martin O'Neill, um, you know, and, and that you spoke to him. Um, what was your first thoughts on 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 first kind of your first encounter with him? Uh, it was a bit surreal because, you know, I've uh, I've got to talk to a lot of people and Alan Shearer and uh I mean obviously in the books I've met a lot of I've went for dinner, I've had People come and stay at my house, and uh, I never quite got used to. I, you know, my phone ringing, and I got the wife. Look at that, Man O'Neill's ringing me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's like um, I, I went for dinner with him. We had cups of tea and cake and all this, and and uh, to be honest, Martin didn't really want to talk about Celtic or Alan Thompson for that matter because he's a huge true crime fan. Yeah. So. When he when he found out who I was and who, what what I'd done, um, and I was in London doing video and bits about Jack the Ripper, uh, he was just like just dropped dropped Alan Thompson like a hot potato. He just he just wanted to know about Jack the Ripper and and some of the cases he'd sat in the old Bailey and listened to. But um, you know, I, I didn't forget who that guy was. I'll never forget him. Starting for Celtic in July, July the first two, two thousand, standing on the them steps of Celtic Park, saying is an absolute honour, is an honour, and I will do everything. You know that iconic speech, yeah. and uh, you know I was probably a bit starstruck, and you know I'll never, I'll never forget going to meet Henrik Larsson at Middlesbrough when he signed for Man United, and uh, I got there early, and. Um, Everyone had come out barring Henrik. And when I met him, uh, I just walked. And there was a queue behind me because Ronaldo was yet to come out. And I was like, don't give a shit about him. I was just... Yeah. So, um, you know, them kind of people, they're just like, you know, no matter how successful or big I ever get, I'm not really asked about some some people. But if I meet a Martin O'Neill or a Chris Sutton or an Alan Thompson or Jackie McNamara, I'm still like... And I always will be, even when I'm old, I'll still be that little boy, you know, saying faster, dad, faster when I was running up the steps of Celtic Park and that. And that's that's just been me from day one, even when I used to box. I used to box in green tartan, thinking I was a Celtic warrior, Steve Collins, although I box with my face. Um, so it's, it's just everything about me has been Celtic and, um, you know, dogs. Uh, I named my son after Neil Lennon. Uh, obviously, Tomo and... Um, him had, you know, they've had a few issues has been well spoken about, but I think if there, there was one person on the planet who was ever 
going to not put anything bad about Neil Lennon. It was me because I named my, yeah. not that Tom was because he was he's you know they've got the great friendship and and even though they're maybe not close now that they've always had that time together and they respect each other. But I named my son after him, so you don't get any uh, Jameson Lennon Boyle. Um, so, but yeah, it's been a it's been a real whirlwind meeting some of the people that I've grown up. Um, some of the best nights of my life, you know. I'll never forget going to work, um, cycling to work the next morning. I was 23, rough as Tarzan's feet, but Celica just beat Barcelona and Alan Thompson scored the winning goal. And I, that that was just such a high, such a euphoric, um, you know. And football can bring you some so much high, some great times in life, and um, and some extreme lows like. Like rock bottom, um, like the time Tomo talks about in his book Fair Park, two thousand and five. You know that them both went in, and I screamed at the wife, blamed her, went and laid on bed for a, about four hours, just couldn't speak. That that you could never really get that in boxing or anything other than football. And um, yeah, it's when it's good, it's brilliant, but when it's bad. You know, some people think, oh, it's only a game. And you're like, shut up. It's not only a game. Because if it was, you could switch off. Like, but you can't. And uh, you deal, you, you dealt the cards the cards you dealt with. And my dad was fanatical Celtic support. His dad was before him. And, you know, although my sons haven't been. And, um, you know, I've pro- probably the wife said, look, just let them decide. Uh, for my sins, he's a Tottenham fan. <laughs> Don't know why. But uh, I had a very different upbringing. You know, so I really didn't mean I didn't get a, I didn't really get a chance. Yeah, and um, Tom, I was just asking Jamie there about Mark O'Neill. When, um, in terms of when you came to Celtic, when you first came to Celtic, um, what was it about him that that you know did they sell the club to you? Did they did they discuss where he seen you playing and and things like that, or was it just a case of? He knew what he wanted to do, and it was just right in there. Sorry, uh, Tomo, before, before, sorry, Tomo, before you answer that, can you just show Gaz your Martin O'Neill impression? Um, <laughs> no, I can't do that. I'm, I'm, I can only, I'm really good at it when I've had a couple of Bacardis. I've not had a Bacardi at the minute. So, okay, okay. Uh, I'll do it next you, week. You need to, you next need week. to WhatsApp me later on the night then. I uh, will do it next Friday <laughs> in Greenwich. No, he just had a, uh, he just had an aura about him. He wasn't a, he wasn't a coach, Martin. Yeah. He didn't go on a trip. He didn't go on the training ground and and tell us how he wanted to play and do this and do that. He he, he set us up uh, strong defensively. He liked his defenders to be defenders. Um, he wanted his wing backs to cross the ball and he wanted his midfielders to be to be strong and he he, he didn't complicate it. Very much like Jamie said before, a bit like the old school Brian Clough. Um, he had he had his coach who worked with him, Steve Walford, who done the day to day coaching, and Martin was he was just a great man manager. He said the right thing at the right time, and um, it was it was phenomenal. And like Jamie just mentioned there, that Fir Park, it's mad as a footballer because all the highs you have, um, you know, you, you think of all the trophies we won, you wish you could bottle that feeling of winning and the adrenaline and the buzz. But you, you lose that over the years. You still have the memories. But like the Fir Park and the Kilmarnock last game of the season as well, and then Seville, that feeling stays with you for life. So yeah. when I think about those those bad days, 
that feeling comes back when you think about those games. But when you think about the first season there, winning the treble, you don't get that high. You've just got a memory. But it's weird yeah. how you lose you lose the good feelings of winning, but you don't ever that feeling of Fir Park and Seville and Kilmarnock, you never lose that, which is really weird. I wish you would keep the good feelings and get rid of the bad feelings, but such is life. But uh, Martin just he was great at saying the right things at the right time. Yeah, and obviously, like you, you just missed out in the the, the six two the demolition derby. Um, obviously, that would have wet your whistle. Um, in terms of talk to us then about um, in terms of because as fans, obviously, you know when it comes to a derby game, you know I can remember when I was younger, not being able to sleep the night before, thinking about the game, thinking about how it's going to go, um, and then you know the the whole adrenaline of the whole day. And especially if you win, then it keeps going and you go into party mode. Um, what's it like as a player, kind of, in the build-up to it? Do you know, it, the, the, day, the days before, they're intense. You've got the media coverage, the training. Training goes up the level in training, you know. You don't want players to get injured before big games in training. But such such the way we trained, the intensity just went up. So when the intensity goes up, the risk of injury goes up and it's everything just goes up a notch and then, Thank God for most of the most of my time in there uh, in, in Scotland. A lot of the old firm games were early kickoffs, you know, twelve o'clock, twelve fifteen, twelve thirty. Yeah. Because there was a couple of evening kickoffs and it's the longest day in the world when you've got an evening kickoff. You know, it's so at least when they're twelve o'clock or twelve fifteen or something, you're up, you eat your food and you're straight to the ground, you know, you haven't got time to think about it because like you say, the excitement, the adrenaline, it can actually drain you before the game. So you've got to try and stay in the zone and stay focused. Otherwise, your emotions get um, they get older, like they did, or did with me on three occasions. Yeah, and obviously, um, just in terms of, we've got another favourite goal um, from Michael McKeown. Um, it says your goal against Barcelona, obviously, we spoke about earlier on in the UEFA Cup. Um, Ronaldinho couldn't deal with us that night and we won 1-0 Marshall debut as well um, am I right in saying the keeper gets sent off at half time in the tunnel who me no 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 uh, the keeper um, aye big rab big rab big rab aye um, yeah, so aye and David um, Marshall came in and, and the rest is history um, aye Mota got sent off and Rab got sent off and then Saviola got sent off so it was 10v9 at the end it was like a game of ice hockey so it was mental <laughs> Um, how how good a team were they at, the, at that time? You know, a, a massive achievement again. You know, for his, yeah. they were unbe- they were unbelievable. I, I yeah. just remember I remember the first twenty minutes in that game we beat them one nil. I remember looking around at some of the other lads like you know Lenny and Stillian and Henrik and Sutty and that and thinking, are you feeling the way I'm feeling? Because I'm I'm pretty, but you know I, yeah. so I was I was breathing out my arse if you want. We couldn't get near them. 20 minutes, we couldn't get near them. And thankfully, they didn't score. Because I think had they scored, they could have went on to absolutely pace us because they were just a different level. So the fact that we hung on to them, hung on to their coattails and went on to beat them just tells you a lot about the, the mentality that we had in the dressing room and, and, and that Martin gave us to go on the pitch and beat teams like that, you know? Yeah. And obviously, going back to the going back to the the Derby games, um, one name that I want to bring up um, is obviously your relationship with with Fernando Rickson, God rest him, um, you know, a, a, a really um, big relationship on the park kind of thing. But in terms of off the park, how, how was your relationship with him? 
Um, well, we we were never going to go out for a pint together. Put it that way. Yeah. But um, now, nah, God rest him, and you know, I would never speak ill of people who are no longer with us. But he was a fantastic player. You know, he won the he won the Joint Player of the Year award with John Hartson. So you've got to be a good player to win the Player of the Year award in Scotland. So um, he was he was a class act. Um, but we did have our run-ins, you know, on and off the pitch. So. Um, a couple of stories in the group about fireworks and turning up on the front door with his dog and stuff like that. But um, no, nah, we, we had nothing but respect for each other. But he knew when he played against me and I knew when I played against him, it was going to be fireworks. He wanted to win and I wanted to win. And it never really went above, you know, we didn't do anything untoward. He never tried to hurt me. I never tried to hurt him. Um, although he might have tried to set my house on fire with a firework. But, uh, <laughs> but apart As you from do. that, I know, but... <laughs> He was a terrific player, and it's listen. It's a great shame that he's no longer with us. But I know he'll be held by uh, by all Rangers fans in in very very high esteem. Yeah, and um, Jamie, obviously, you like thousands of us um, loved that team that that Tomo was in, um, a bond that that wasn't really there in the nineties. I think there was a disconnect with the fans and the the, the players um, during that spell. But um, did you get to a lot of games when when Tomo was in the team? Um, well, I mean, I, I was going to games from the age of two, but, but I can only remember, um, I, I was only aware of the centenary season in 88. <clears throat> so Celtic won the league in 88. It was a, it was a one-off. Then we won the league, league in 98, one-off. So um, from 2000 to 2005, and even though the leagues we lost, we lost in the last minute or two. So... It's it's this has been like the greatest time in my life as a football fan. Um and Alan Thompson among the other usuals, your Baldies, your Agats, Hartson, Suttons, Lennon, Petros, so many familiar faces that were together for four or five years. Um that that was, you know, I mean, I think I said on another podcast the other day, um, I thought maybe we could have when when Brendan took over, I thought this could be, you know, a, a chance at, to to get back to that time. But you know, although uh, domestically we we've done everything, European level, we were still kind of poor. Um, so you know, Alan Thompson, um, that that period from two thousand to, uh, I mean, I went, I stopped kind of going to the games in 2012. My, my Celtic club folded. Um, so that was the last time I'd been to a game. But other than that, I was going to like maybe up to 10 games a season. Um, so, you know, I was very aware of Alan Thompson. Um, you know, I, I watched all his career. Lots of it, I was there. You know, I, I was there when I, when I think he scored his, one of his last goals against Art Media Bratislava. Yeah. Um, I think it was the first game I ever took my wife to. And, uh, to, you know, if I'd have sat there and thought, Shirley, in 16 years' time, this man's going to be walking around our house and just his underpants singing in the shower and all that, it would have been really sweet. <laughs> but, um, you know, she remembers it. And um, it's just, I've just been greatly, hugely privileged um, to be given the chance. And obviously now, Alan Thompson looks great on my CV. Uh, so as any footballers... Out there, you know, I've already done one that has done very, and it's only it's only been out weeks. Uh, Amazon's the biggest selling platform in the world, so if you have a look at the Celtic section, 
it's you know, and, and that Celtic calendars, oh, cross words, just everything Celtic. Alan Thompson's number one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, I I, I can't ever um, for the life of me ever remember, and I, maybe I don't think I ever will. I'm 41 now, and I don't think I ever will enjoy my football as much as 2000, 2000 to 2005. And I've got, I've got Alan, I've got Martin O'Neill to thank for that. So when I've been in his company and I've, I've been sat thinking, fucking hell, you don't know how it all I am, are you? I, yeah. I watched one of his documentaries last night and he was talking, he was saying, Brian Clough, the celebrities and the not celebrities, he said, listen, that man, when he walked in our room, he was a celebrity before celebrities come out. And, uh, of course, he had that very unique Middlesbrough accent. Uh, Alan Thompson's best friend, Peter Beagree, is a former footballer. When I listen to him, it's like listening to a young Brian Clough. Um, you know, but Cloughy was unique. And, uh, I, I, you know, I'd probably maybe see he was the greatest manager of all time. Um, to win the league with Derby and then to, to win European Cups with Nottingham Forest back to back. When Europe and yeah. Liverpool were winning everything, uh, you know, I was listening to Martin O'Neill talking last night about his time going to Anfield, and what he was saying, you know, it kind of, uh, I mean, his forward in his book is just poetic. It's magical. It really, really is. When I first read that, I mean, Tomo was crying, and uh, I had to like, I read it once or twice to think Martin O'Neill written that. You just don't expect it. To, it was just detail on top of detail. And when you're reading it, it's like you're there. Um, so, so yeah, it, it's, um, you know, I, I personally don't think I'll ever be involved with Celtic Football Club in the next, maybe in my lifetime, like I was in them special times. So, you know, Big Andrew's doing everything at the minute. The guy's really punching above his weight. And that man cannot have a bad word said against him for the for what he's done. Um, maybe even if he doesn't win the league this year, he's got the first trophy. He's rebuilt to think we were 25 points behind last year. And, you know, um, when when Martin took over, I think Rangers won the league the year before by 21. Um, so Martin, when he was signing the likes of Tomo and all, and was saying, look, I just want to stay within the neck-to-neck neck with Rangers for a bit. So for Martin to come on and win the league with as many points as it did, it was yeah. the stuff of Roy of the Rovers, Gaz. Yeah, and I, I mean, I remember that season vividly. Um, you know, the, the, the League Cup final against Kilmarnock um, and all the, the, the league games and the, the 6-2 win against Rangers and things like that. Um, but Tom, I mean, it culminated, obviously, a first domestic treble for the club since 1969, um, culminating a 3-0 a win against Hibs at Hamden. Glorious sunshine. I remember the day like it was yesterday. Jackie actually scored. Jackie McNamara randomly scored the first goal. I think he beat everybody's Cookins, everybody's first goal scorer. <laughs> Cookins was up in the air. I think he was 66-1. I think he was 66 to 1. I think I always remember that price in my head. And um, I mean, in terms of stories, in terms of celebrations that night, what, how wild um, did it get? Do you know what? I think it was um, 
I don't think it was too wild. I think it was just a lot of relief, you know, because mm-hmm. you, you win the League Cup and then you, you you wrap the title up early and then there's just a lot of pressure on, you know, as you say, they haven't won the treble for how many years before that and it was just something that we'd worked so hard for for 10 months to, to try and do. Well, first and foremost, to win the league, that's what you want to do. But then you've got the, the cup in the bag and then the league in the bag and then you've just got the Scottish Cup final. And I remember the day, like you say, I think we had the yellow strip on that day, didn't we? And it was yeah, yeah, sunshine. Yeah. You know, to to make to to win three 0 and to wrap it up was just just you know you, you know then you're going down the history, you know. And um, although we did we got close with the, the odd double after that, but um, that was that was a proper Rangers team that that we that we we overcome that season as well. You know, you're talking proper players who they've spent big money on. You know, your Art and Newmans and Alberts and people like that. So. It was a huge, huge achievement, and I think one that just kept. Once you've had a taste of it, like I said earlier, when you when you've been winning, you just you just want to keep winning. And there, we went on for another successful four or five seasons after that. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and Ryan Tobin just comments here. Um, Stuttgart diving header, best goal for me. Could pick Barca Rangers or Liverpool, but easy options. Um, so he's he's going with he's going with the Stuttgart game. Um, that was obviously in the on the run to Seville. As well, he, another... he, he obviously doesn't want a book. <laughs> <laughs> and um, was uh, was that was that not you? Was that not your? Um, was that not a goal? Be did you score against Stuttgart? I I have scored a, I scored yeah, a fly I... header, but um, it certainly wouldn't be up there amongst my favourite goals. You know? But no. uh, obviously Ryan uh, quite likes that one, so that's his opinion. Aye. But he's I think, not winning I think... a book. <laughs> Sorry, Ryan, you'll have to buy your book, mate. You're not winning one. <laughs> he's just he's actually just commented. Ha ha ha, audible for me. Um, <laughs> um so obviously, you know, su- successful success and then your second season we, we retain the title. Um and despite losing both cups to Rangers, um it must have been the fact that you were back playing in so many games as a player, um, you'd finally got your feet under the table at Celtic. You were banging goals in, um, you know how how pleasing was that to to retain the title in the second season? Well, I think that's that's your that's your bread and butter, you know the title. Um, that's the one you set out every season to, to win. That's the best team in Scotland wins the league. Um, although I do, I do might disagree with that with the titles that we did lose by a point and a goal. Um, I think we were the better team, but um, listen, you fall short at times. But just if you can go, you know, and win the league, and it's obviously a two-horse race. It's it's between us and and, and the other mob. So um, obviously that's that was a great achievement winning the treble. But then to back it up and win the league again, that's that's what you set out to do at the start of the season. So that's that's when you know you're champions. Yeah, and we, we obviously spoke, guy, um, earlier on about the the 2002-2003 season. You know, the Seville season. Um, lost the league in the last day to Kilmarnock again. It's a it's a game. I remember it. If I'm right, saying Gordon Marshall was saying goals for Kilmarnock, and I've never seen him play as well as he played. I mean, I know we we scored a lot of goals. I think um, did we was it four nil or five nil we won on the I day? Was, I think it was four nil. Yeah, was it four nil? And then um, and they made some saves, and I just, I couldn't believe, especially as an ex Celtic keeper, I thought. I could not believe the saves he was pulling off, you know, and it, it came down to a goal or two, I think, in the end. Um, 
you know, obviously that must have hurt on, on the last day, do you know what I mean? Yeah, as, as I said, you know, Fur Park and, and uh, Rugby Park, them two days, they'll go down in two of the worst days in your in your life. Never mind your football career, in your life. Um, so the, the feeling doesn't leave you, but uh, it's it's you've you've got to take it on the chin, and you've got to you've got to go away and uh, get strong and, and build up for the next season. Simple as that. Yeah, and I mean, I can remember, I can remember being in my local, uh, watching watching the Commander game, and obviously it was the end of a, a long season. Wasn't long back from Seville. I, I was at Seville, um, wasn't at the game, but went for the day, an experience I'll never forget, um, and. I can remember at the final whistle, despite being really, really gutted, um, I, I, I just applauded the, the players, you players off the park, because I've never been so proud of a team. Um, because, listen, you can forget your quadruple trebles and, and um, unbeaten seasons and invincibles, and yeah, they're great achievements and you're proud of the team, but I just thought what, what you guys went through as a squad to play that number of games and you know, to come out trophyless was was absolutely it was shocking. You know, it was just I know nothing went for us in the end, but in terms of you know, I think a lot of fans really felt felt that bad for you that we deserve something. Out yeah, the season. Well, we, 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 we put a lot into the season, no doubt about that. You know, and it's it is difficult. Um, you're playing in the UEFA Cup, and you're playing on Thursday nights, and then you're getting back in the early hours of a Friday morning. Um, and then you've got a game on the Sunday, you've, you know, you've got to try and pick yourself up. And we did that, you know, many, many occasions on that run to Seville. We had to pick ourselves up for a game. We might have been tired still from the Sunday, from the game on the Thursday and the travelling. And, the, you know, might have had aches and pains or little strains and stuff, but we got on with it. And the fact that we pushed it right till the end of the season to the last few minutes of the game was a... Uh, was a credit to the to the mentality of the, that the manager installed in the players, but again we just fell short. But it wasn't for the want of trying. Yeah, and um, obviously in terms of you know then then you know Seville was was an unbelievable achievement to get there. Um, you know the, the the amount of fans that turned up. Were, were you were you surprised? I mean, obviously you as a squad, you know you knew the Celtic fans, you knew how faithful they are. How loyal they are. Were you even surprised by how many had turned up? Or were you aware of how many had turned up? No, I don't. I don't think we were aware till until after. You know, we, we stayed out the way. We stayed in a place called Jerez, which was a good forty might forty five minutes away. So, um, and then we we only even when we got to the stadium, it was it was the amount of people around the stadium. But I think we didn't get to see the scenes in the in the centre of Seville. So it was only afterwards when you read and you see the photographs that just how many of them turned out and spent a lot of the hard-earned money to get over there, even not to watch the game, just to, to witness the atmosphere. So it was obviously a special time for for the supporters, you know. Yeah, and, and obviously, you know, in, in the following seasons, um, you know, you had signed a, a contract extension with the club, um, Martin News first final season, rather. Um, you win the Scottish Cup final, scored the scored the winning goal against Dundee United. Um, obviously had the pain of uh, helicopter Sunday, um, which we'll not talk about. Um, and um, did you did you see yourself staying in the team until your contract ran out, and then possibly you know extending that, or was that a case of you know just playing it by ear at that point? No, obviously Martin Martin left, and the new manager come in, and uh, my my time would come to an end. So it was. 
you know, all good things come to an end. Um, like Jamie mentioned earlier, I would like it to have been a little bit different the way it finished, but um, it's one of those things I had to deal with and uh, and move on to the next stage of my career. I was I was thirty four, no thirty three, so I just wanted to play football. You know, whether it was at Celtic or elsewhere. Then the manager made his mind up that uh, he didn't want me to be around the place anymore, so I had to go. So, so be it. Yeah, and obviously you, the event went to Leeds initially on loan. Um, you you done quite well. You settled in quite well down at Leeds United. Um, then signed a, I think you signed a permanent deal, and and obviously got made club captain, which which must have been an amazing, uh, an I, amazing experience for you. My my old man, my dad was a uh, was a Leeds fan, so I knew all about Leeds and and the, the great team of the uh, and the Don Revy and the players that played for them and stuff. So it was a great honour to to play for Leeds, um, another big club. Um, and then Dennis Wise gave us the captaincy. It was it was an honour to be captain of Leeds United. So, um, and then I just I just for whatever reason I just felt like I wasn't I wasn't up to the standards what I had been uh, earlier in my career. So I um, decided to call it a day. Yeah, and then obviously you went back to your hometown. You went back to Newcastle as an academy coach. Kevin Keegan um, signed you up and got you got you in the role as coaching. Um, did that set you up for coming back to Celtic? I mean, obviously you wouldn't uh, well, have been expected I mean, to. But... Co- coaching was it was always something I was interested in, even from an early age, even as a as a young teenager. I was always interested. I was always I would always speak to coaches at a young age, school teachers. Um, because I was interested in it, and I started doing my coaching badges while I was still playing for Celtic. Um, probably the 2004-05 season, Lenny and I started doing my badges with the SFA. So it was something that I had my eye on for when I finished playing. Um, in hindsight, looking back on it, I wish that I played for a year or two more before. But then the opportunity come to take the coaching job at Newcastle. I just thought it was too good to not to take, you know. But in hindsight, maybe I could have maybe played for a season or two more, definitely. Yeah, and Jamie, obviously, you know, looking back, you're obviously a massive Neil Lennon fan as well as a massive Tomo fan. How delighted were you to see the, the pair reunited at Celtic? Yeah, it was... Um, well, I remember being... Um, well, Tom, Tom... Sorry, Lenny... Mowbray got sacked the back end of March, I think it was, early April... 4-0, we lost St. Mirren. And uh, obviously, Robbie Keane and all them were there, but, you know, Mowbray, um, it was disastrous, really. And um, when Lennon got the job, it was kind of temporary. Uh, he'd done well. Uh, I, I, that was the last old firm game I was at. I think we won 2-1. Mark Vivian Fortune scored and Mark Wilson. Um, April... 2010, and uh, obviously I'd just named my son after him uh, two or three years before that. So you know, and then he uh, he got the job. He proved himself. Of course, he made that iconic speech saying, "This isn't the end. It's only the beginning." Celtic Park was bouncing, yeah, and um, it was it was an exciting time. Um, so yeah, there was there was no one better for me to get the job than him. Uh, I thought he left a bit too early, 2014. Um, he obviously wanted to have a crack at England. Uh, you know, I, I never really quite understood why he left. I thought, you know, he, he'd only he'd only been there. I'm just three full seasons, I think it was. 
Um, yeah. Three and a half, something like that. Uh, I would have liked to have seen him, but obviously Ronnie Dyle had come in and Lenny got the job, uh, come back, won the treble. Um, and, you know, this time last year, I think he was sacked in the February. Um, and le let's be honest, I mean, the league was over in November. The league was yeah. over by Halloween. He should have really yeah. went then. I'm, I'm the biggest Neil Lennon fan in the world. But, you know, I, I think... Yes, it, it wasn't nice to watch at the end and, and Celtic were over-loyal to him. Um, it did get a bit messy. I think he's took it really hard. I think a lot of the problems were, uh, have been, you know, you've read the media and you've seen him a few things. I think that's uh, similar to what Tomo went through in his book, what he talked about. Um, but I, I'd, lo I'd love to see him back in the game. And I mean, I went to meet him um <laughs> When Bolton come to Middlesbrough, I just to say got there. I shouted him and he looked back, and I was gonna. I, I brought my son, um, yeah. so I never got quite to meet him. So I was a bit devastated. I was little Jameson was small, and uh, he just turned around and just looked. But you know, he, he, he I don't know. He, I could have been anyone, but um, it was sad. It was sad the way it went. But you know, reading. I mean, listen, people know Tomo and Lenny were close. Um, they went through a lot in the playing days. Um, you know, there's a fantastic chapter in the book about shame night, about what really went on with Lenny and McCoy, yeah. El Hadj Juff, and you know, let's not forget Tomo was the guy who kind of um, put the Hearts fan off track when he's running on the pitch. So they've obviously been through a lot. Um, you know, Tomo was kind of caught in a lot of Lenny's fire shall we say, which the book talks about. Um, you know, they, they've been close and they've always had that bond. I think the friends, that um, I don't know whether they'll ever get as close again. I don't know, who knows. But um, what the, what the, they've always had a special time. And, um, you know, I had lots of fantastic years watching Thompson, Lennon and Petrov. Them three yeah. were there from 2002... Well, I'm just trying to think. So they were forever for like 2005. I think Tomo 2006 was drifted out, went to leave 2007. So for five solid seasons, them if them there were the three team uh, names on the team sheet. What was based around yeah. and uh, fantastic times for the club. Yeah, and I think um, obviously you know you mentioned. The, the relationship with with Lenin, obviously you know he was he was the one that wanted to bring. Uh, you back, Tomo. Um, you know, delivered success in your short spell at the at the club, winning the league, winning the Scottish Cup, runners up in the League Cup. Um, there was tumultuous times also. As I say, Lenny being attacked at Tynecastle, you were pretty sharp off your feet. I remember. Um, I remember because the guy came from anywhere. You know, the guy came to absolutely. I think he actually met. I came to behind his to behind the dugout. So um, I remember. I remember you being sharp off your feet, Tomo. Um, you know, in terms of in terms of you talk about obviously in the book about the, the bust up with McCoyst, with with Lynn McCoyst, um and obviously from nobody that's that's heard it, I mean, was was that a case of just tensions boiling over? Obviously there's red cards for Rangers that night and Juf was at it. It's it, it, it's it's like old firm, it's an old firm game, you know, tensions yeah. are rising high and there's a, everyone knows about the rivalry and I don't know how what Koisty's relationship was with Lenny, whether they like each other or they don't like each other. But 
you know, the two old firm managers, or Ali, Ali was assistant manager at the time. So there's a lot of tension in an old firm game, and Juve had been piping up on the pitch. So it's just it's one of those things that it flares up, gets made a massive thing of the media. Um, it's just one of those things. A day or two after, it's forgotten about. I know Ali and Lenny spoke after the game about it. So I don't know what was said after the game in the office when it was just the two of them there. But uh, it gets put to bed quickly and you move on. Yeah. And then obviously, you know, when the the, the phone came, the phone call came from Neil. Um, I believe you were at the at the racing, um, at the horse racing with your 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 partner and some friends. Um, did did you have an inkling that something was up with the tone of his voice, maybe? No, not at all. I was I was on the train on the way back from London. I'd been to the, the Derby at Epsom. I'm not a horse racing fan, but I'd been invited, so we'd had a nice weekend away. Mm-hmm. And then he uh, he called me and asked if I was in Newcastle. I said no. He said I was in London, just about just got on the train to go back to Newcastle. He said oh, I'm on my way down here to speak to you. So as I talk about it in the book, um, the reasons behind it and what have you. And uh, but I told him not to come to Newcastle. Just turn his car around, go back to Glasgow. I didn't want to see him. He made his point clear. He wasn't prepared to back me, so on you go, do what you need to do. Yeah, so what would would it be safe to say you were you were more angry at Neil than the club, or was it yeah, were you angry at the club I for? I don't, I don't I don't really want to go into that now. I think it, yeah, it, go, it goes into detail in the book about it, so uh-huh. I don't really want to go into that now. But um, I'm as honest as I can be about it in the book, and and it's 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 my side my side of the story, which I, I believe is true. Um, other people can say what they want, but uh, I put it across as honest as I can be, and Jamie will vouch for that as well. Yeah, and obviously, you know, the press can be unscrupulous; it can be nasty at times, and and a lot of uh, rubbish has been has been written about you. Um, obviously, was did that make your life harder? Um, having to having to read that in the in the in the press? Um, no, because I don't think I didn't really go back to Glasgow um, mm-hmm. after that. So I didn't, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't have read the press, but it was just, it was just a difficult time um, because of the circumstances that happened, how it happened, uh, when it happened. There was a lot going on in my life off the pitch at the time. So it, it just made it a very, very difficult time in my, um, in my life. But uh, thankfully it's in the past now. Yeah. And obviously, you know, um, talk about um, depression. It's always been a, a taboo subject for, for men. Until more recent times, you know, lockdowns had a lot of um, had a lot to do with it as well for for a lot of people. Um, would you say it's it, you really kicked on with? Um, I believe you you got in touch with was it Tony Adams' charity Sporting Chance? Yeah, yeah, that was only a couple of, well about eighteen months ago. But depression for me, I didn't. I never, I was never depressed. I never had depression when I was a player. I was only it was only later on. After I left Celtic as a coach, then it started kicking in with me. So, but I lived with it for a, for a long time before I seek any help for it. So, um, uh, it's definitely something I know a lot of people suffer with, and a lot of people won't talk about it. Um, depression, anxiety, um, you know, a lot of things can cause it. And with me, it was the Celtic thing, the way I lost my job, how I lost it, why I lost it, uh, a divorce bankruptcy which I, I talk about it all in detail in the book so I yeah. just think a, a lot of people do suffer with mental health issues and a lot of people bottle it up but I think the longer you bottle it up the harder it is to overcome it so I just I've said it to people recently in the last few months to the last 12 months I think anyone who has got it 
anyone can get it. You know. Yeah. You don't have to be down in the dump. You don't have to be skin. You can be a multi-millionaire. I know people who are worth fortunes who've who've done the tragic thing, committing suicide. So I, I just think if people can talk about it rather than bottle things up, it, it definitely helps. Yeah, and obviously you look at. I mean, you look at, for instance, Robin Williams. You know, was a was a prime example of of you know somebody who was the funniest guy in the world, and everybody thought you know, or he he couldn't possibly suffer with something like that, and and it does hit everybody at different times in their lives. Um, obviously, in terms of, I know you you said before that that your kids were instrumental in, in pulling you through and getting you to the other side, and now you're, you're happy. And your life, and you're settled um, with a new partner. Um, I mean, how how is things, and on the home front now, in terms of you know, are you at a place where you're you're really happy yeah, again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's everything's good, and I'm getting out watching football again, and I'm going to watch a game tomorrow for him for a mate of mine wants me to have a look at a player for him. So it's just nice getting out. I was at Anfield watching Newcastle the other week. I was at Old Trafford for United v Burnley last week as well. So. Just getting out, looking, watching all different levels of football, and hopefully an opportunity might arise in the in the coming months. Hopefully, touch wood, and get back yeah. in and give and give something back, you know, because I've got a lot to give. Yeah, well, I was just going to ask you in terms of you know your plans for twenty twenty two in terms of getting back into football. Um, you know, have you got things in the pipeline, or is it just no, to see what happens? And... No, it's, it's just about getting out there and watching games and speaking to people and yeah. Um, it's just, but I, I haven't felt into it. I haven't felt up to it. Um, I haven't wanted to do it for the last three or four years since I lost my job at Bury. Um, it's only it's only the last three or four months really that I've I've kind of felt myself and I feel like I've back to normal and and feel like I can give something back. Yeah, and and Jamie, um, tell us for for any new fans that you will get off. Off this interview, and you know what? What does twenty twenty two hold in store for you? Um. Well, I've got five five books coming out this year. One's about a middle police officer who was um around the Lee Duffy thing and all that. Hartlepool, born and bred. Um. What else is there? There's a book on Jack the Ripper. I'm ten thousand words in. Uh, Liverpool crime lord Michael Showers. Oh, that's my last in true crime, like for for. For a, well, at least five years, maybe for good. Um, and then I've got Junior Winter, who was uh, completed boxing and, and done everything, barring have the big pay-per-view fights. Uh, and then after that, I just want to be doing footballers, Celtic players, boxers, Scottish boxers. Uh, to be honest, that's that's I've turned down so many crime now. And, you know, lots of people, and I thought, oh, I would have bitten your hands off doing that. But now, I think it's not worth it. And um, you know, I just want to—I get into a more positive genre, if you like. Uh, I'd, you know, maybe I might be wrong, and it might come out tomorrow. Alan Thompson's into cross-dressing and swinging and dogging. <laughs> and... <laughs> there might be some like Coming out in the news of the world, I don't know. He might have some skeletons in his closet. I don't know, but yeah, I just wanna, I just wanna be around nice people like Mr. Thompson yeah. and um, work my ass off. And uh, but just have no more shit in there. You know, my wife's recovered from cancer now. Uh, I'm so a lot better with it. Yeah, my anxiety uh, was really, really bad, and that was just on the back of 
doing all the work and seven days a week. But, um, you know, I've still got a bit to do with, with that, with the doctors and that. But, yeah, just, I'm, you know, I've been, uh, and this, it sounds not big at it because it's a fact. I've done 19 books in four years to the week. So that, that made me the probably me most prolific author in Britain. Another fellow author said, you want to check that out. That might be some kind of record, but it's what keeps me happy. So if I have a drink, then I, I won't have a, do nothing that day. And then the next day I'll be hungover and down and depressed. So my, my addictions work and I'm, I'm happier. I don't need to. So, you know, <clears throat> we've got, um, we've got, and even with Alan Thompson a week today in Greenock, uh, the Greenock Celtic Supporters Club on Laird Road, Laird Road, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to be there from seven o'clock. Um, and then what's that? So we've got, and even with Alan Thompson in Middlesbrough, Legends Bar, uh, January the 22nd, that is, £15 a ticket. If anyone fancies uh, fancies that, then give me a message on Twitter, at JamieBoyle10. Uh, I'm going to be with Tomo, um, Liverpool, the 28th of January. Uh, anyone who fancies that, again, can get in touch with me or Tomo. Um, and we've got... Newcastle, the Irish Centre, on February the 5th. Uh, I think we've got another couple of nights in Glasgow, the back end of February or March. Um, so, it, you know, it's just just all about working now. And hopefully I've cast my rod. Tom has been my net. And uh, I might catch a few more Celtic legends. That's it. I mean, you know, you, you, put, your, you put your name out there and, and you know, you, you build it for there that... I know that for doing the podcast and, and the people that I've got on and and I'm hoping to get I'm I'm hoping to kind of take this away from the Celtic page on Facebook and and then get get more people because what I've found is um, certain people that I've wanted to interview haven't been able to come on because it's affiliated with Celtic kind of thing and and such like so you know I'm I'm going to rebrand that that side of things. Um, Can I just talk- with with Tomo, I knew instantly. Um, people have energy, and I knew, like, say for instance, I'll do one or two that I've got possibly in the pipeline. I couldn't with him. I connected straight away. Uh, yeah. Maybe because we're two northeast lads, but he got me, and uh, you know, he kind of knew I was a bit strange and a bit weird and a bit. But I didn't have to. I didn't have to pretend I was someone when I wasn't, and. He knows me. He knows I've got his back. Um, but I don't think... I, I just... It was instant. It was like, you know, it, it was... People have an energy, a vibe. And you can... I, I can tell what people are like on social media before we've even met him. But I don't think I could be my normal self to maybe a dizzy guy or morning. Have him over my mouth for a palm or and be a bit strange because it probably wouldn't work. But uh, no, you know, I'm really happy. And I, I'd, I'd like to think in two years' time... Tom Hall said, you know what, Jamie, let's do that Celtic book uh, called A Club Like Northern, and it just all yeah. ins and out Celtic, and uh, I'd love to do that. So that's maybe another one for the future. Also, yeah, just, can, I, can, I, can I just say as well, guys, uh, you know, he's talking about my skeletons in the closet and that. He sent us a video the other day on the toilet having a number two in his missus's dressing gown. So, <laughs> you know, so he doesn't talk to me about skeletons, pal. <laughs> That, that's a compliment because I'm open to him and I, I've trusted him. That's how comfortable you are with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't send that to Didier, though, would you? 
No, no, no. I wouldn't send that to anyone. Um, uh, can can I just know, say I'm, as well, guys? I'm. Um, I know there's a lot of Irish people being on uh, social media asking about Ireland. So I'm looking to do four dates in April. Um, yeah. In one in Derry, one in Belfast, one in Cork, and one in Dublin. So. Uh, there'll be an announcement coming in the in the next few weeks on that because I think it's important that I get over to Ireland and obviously sign copies. People like sign copies, so I'll be doing hopefully four nights over in Ireland if we can just start getting the word out there. But I'll I'll announce it on Twitter and stuff like that when and when I know yeah. the dates. Absolutely. That, yeah. Um, I've done a couple of doc <clears throat> couple of documentaries. Uh, obviously the Lee Duffy too far too soon. Well, I've done two on him and someone else I don't remember mention, but. Um, I've got talking to Fakat Productions, who um, they're just doing something now on Eddie Elwood, who's apparently it's going to Netflix. So I, I've been pushing Tom off to say, listen, we, we need to do a documentary, and he's, he's giving me good signs. So in February, um, or maybe even a couple of weeks, actually, when, we, when I've got him here in Middlesbrough, I'm going to get the film director here to have a word with him um, and do like a, maybe like a film docudrama. You know, like, obviously all is football, but the highs, the lows, um, yeah. you know, because I, uh, I think I think he'd be fantastic because the good thing with Thompson's book is um, it's not just a football book. When, when I first talk, spoke to him, I didn't want him to talk about, in the greatest respect, Dunfermline away on a rainy Tuesday night. You know, yeah. I've, I've read other people's books and I found that a bit boring, um, you know, Tom was his real life, depression, anxiety, up, down, a lot of humour in it. And I never saw that when I took on the book. He's a very um, humorous person. Well, he was the life and soul of the Celtic dressing room, along with uh, Sutton. But um, he hasn't been the Alan Thompson, his old self, for the last couple of years. I caught him just coming out with his bad phase. But um, it's been nice to know that, that the book has kind of put a part of his life away and, you know, I'm not just saying it. I mean, I've done 20 books now, um, and I've never, I've never done one with anyone where they haven't avoided. He he answered every question and more. Where a mm -hmm. lot of people said, "Whoa, not going there." Not going, you know, and it was like, yeah, it was, if it was up to me, I probably would have avoided a couple. And you know, it was emotional. It was probably a bit stressful for him. It was bringing back old memories. Um, you know, when you're talking about all things, smells come back to you, songs come back to you, and he, he, he spoke about parts of his life that had been buried forever, and that comes out in the book. And uh, it's no surprise, I think we've got 25 Amazon reviews so far. Um, so it goes up in half a star, yeah. no star being five, five stars being 10 out of 10. And the 25 people who give reviews have given it 10 out of 10. So I've never had a book as good as that. Um, and, I, it's, you know, I'd like to say, yes, it's me, it's the Jamie Boat Show, um, Mr. Narcissistic. But it wasn't, it, it was um, it was Mr. Thompson. He was just brutally honest. And uh, even the chief sports writer from The Sun, who messaged me this morning, actually, but he actually, he, he read it in three nights, sat up at three o'clock, and he was like, wow, I can't believe he's addressed this and that, and, and fair play to the guy. And hopefully that will... Um, come across and and you know as Tomo said if I can help anyone out with depression anxiety and suicidal thoughts and some really bad times that I wasn't aware of until I got on yeah. him and, I, and I've known a lot of Alan Thompson for the last couple of years then you know if some people can can gain strength from that then 
absolute fair play to the guy. Yes, there'll be a couple of people who use it against him. Uh, I've had one or two myself on Twitter because of him. But um, you know, it's but that's life. In anything in life worth doing, people will attack you. So listen, that guy yeah. played twenty six games in a North End derby. So it's nothing. It's it's nothing he can't handle. I imagine. Yeah, and as I say, like he is, he is a great guy. As as is you, Jamie. Um, obviously, we've been speaking for a while and try to try to get you on. Um, in in terms of Alan, I know you you you. you do a, a, an ultimate 11 in the book and you know who who would you say stands out probably out of that team that, that you really enjoy playing with what the team I played with yeah yeah the, the ultimate team yeah throughout your career um, I think en Enric Lawson would be the, the one that you know who's, who stands out um, how special was he I was just saying uh, to someone on the podcast yesterday the lad uh, Ryan Clifford who I'd done it with yesterday I know other clubs well. Man United, um, obviously everyone knows how big a club Man United are. Eric Cantona is worshipped by Man United fans. Um, um, Alan Shearer is worshipped by Newcastle fans. Um, but for me, I haven't seen the adulation of a of a fan base for what the Celtic fan base is with Henrik or has yeah. for Henrik. It's just astronomical. So um, he's he was special without a doubt. Yeah, as I say, um, it's 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 a fantastic because they say it's it's full of highs and lows, as Jamie says. They get your copy now. Alan Thompson, a Jordy boy, it's available on Amazon, Warcry Publishing, um, and all other good book retailers. Um, listen, guys, one one thing, one final thing to do um, is obviously the the second book um, to see who's uh, to see who's going to win it. So I think the choice we didn't have a lot of. A lot of goals to pick from. I think everybody's still at work. Um, obviously, you've got the one, the last-minute screamer against Rangers uh, off the underside of the bar. Um, the Liverpool free kick uh, at Anfield. Um, you've got the Stuttgart goal, um, which Thomas is definitely not winning. And <laughs> the Barcelona goal in the UEFA Cup. Um, so, Alan, the choices, I mean, it, it probably, it might be a different goal that you would think, but no, the no, choices, no. what would you say? I, I think the one that stands out for me is the one off the underside of the bar off Kloss. I think it was yeah. the 80, 85, 86 minutes. It's nil-nil. So it uh, it's just about wins you the game, doesn't it, with a couple of minutes left. So for it yeah. to be a special strike like that from outside the box, it's uh, that was probably the pick. Yeah, so as I say, congratulations to William Brawley. He'll be getting a, a signed copy of uh, Alan's book. Um, and as I say, you know we're available to download... Um, on Spotify, the podcast is available to download on Spotify um, and all other good. Wherever you download your podcast from, we are all over the socials. Um, just search Celtic FC Appreciation um, on Facebook, on Twitter, and Instagram, um, things like that. We'll be back on Sunday with our weekly roundup. Um, it'll be the first, first show in a few weeks that we've done. So uh, me and Paul's going to be back with uh, one of my mates, Kieran, who's coming on to talk all things Celtic, about the new signings, about the winter break, about coming back after the winter break. Um, but listen, guys, I know it's been a, a long show and uh, I really, really thanks for for sticking around kind of thing. Um, and obviously all the best for, for 2022. Could I, could I yeah, just thanks say... For um, thanks for having us, Gaz, and all the best to all your viewers. No worries. Could I, could I, could I just say... Um, yeah, Jimmy. 
I'm actually going to post the goal book out now. So I haven't had a chance for Tom Orr to sign it, but I'll sign it. So if, if you want to send me the address, William wants to send me the address, or do you want to send me a gas? I'll actually yeah, I'll, 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 I'll fire it over to you, mate. Send me it now. I'll go post it now, and it'll be signed from me. Um, and sorry, sorry, William. I know I'm not as exciting as Alan Thompson. No, but, no, um, listen. Gaz, Gaz, if you want to text us William's address, mate, I'll sign him one and post him it. No worries, mate. You sure? Um, that's that's, that's I'll superb. Do, I'll do that, yeah. So that's, you do that's it. superb, guys. I'll do it, Jamie, yeah. All right, okay then. All right, Pop. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so Listen, I've got a lot of business pages, so I'm going to share this on and I'll put it on all the Celtic pages later so we get a lot of people in there. Anything you need, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, superb, guys. And uh, as I say, we'll be back on Sunday, guys. So 